Hello, welcome to City Hope Church. Today, Pastor Peter Pilt will be bringing the final message on daring faith. All right, let's pray before we open the word uh, this morning. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for our last series, uh, last sermon on faith, on daring faith. And Father, we just ask you to uh, pour out your uh, anointing, Lord, over me as a preacher, Lord, that I can uh, preach the word of the Holy Spirit this morning. Father, for everybody that's here, in Jesus' name, amen. I wanted to start off this morning by telling you some stories, some faith stories. And hopefully you have your own faith stories. Times where you look back over the course of your life and you go, man, God just did a miracle there and he did a miracle there and he did a miracle there. And, and hopefully you've got your own faith stories. But as I'm talking about faith this morning, I thought I'd just share some, some personal stories of where when God has just moved miraculously in our life. And uh, reality is that, that we need to understand that, that God is in the business of performing miracles, that God is in the, is in the business of answering prayer. And uh, He may not answer all our prayers, but He answers prayer. And you know, there's certainly prayers that I've prayed that God hasn't answered, but there's prayers that I've prayed, and later on I thank God that He didn't answer the prayers. I mean, when, when Melanie was pregnant, or we are actually trying for a child, we were, I was believing for twin girls. Praying for twin girls, praying for twin girls. When we had Lakeisha, I was thanking Jesus he didn't answer my prayer. Uh, Lakeisha was great, but two of Lakeisha would have just been quadruple the fun. Uh, so there's, there's certainly prayers. And so here's a few, here's a few stories uh, of, of just different times where God has moved over the course of maybe the last 20 years in my life. And the first one, if we go to the first photo, is, is Lakeisha's uh, conception and the fact that Lakeisha's even here. Uh, we've been trying for about 18 months to fall pregnant and we're having no luck whatsoever. Uh, and we went to a church in Brownsville in Pensacola and there was a revival there. And uh, the preacher got up and like I did this morning with a word of knowledge, had a word of knowledge and said, if there's a couple here that are trying to fall pregnant and if you respond today, God will give you a baby. And so we went, okay, that's cool, that's us. So we went up the front after the service and uh, this big Jewish or Messianic Jew called Dick Rubin and his wife came up and, and we said, oh, we're the, ba we're the couple that would like a baby. And he said, well, what are you believing for? And, and I said, well, just, you know, a healthy baby, you know, everybody says that. And he says, no, be specific. And so Melanie and I looked at each other and we said, uh, we want a baby girl. And so he, we all joined hands. I still remember him saying, okay, one little Australian girl coming up. <laughs> and we prayed. And that was the 7th of March, 1997. Three months later, we conceived. And we went to, when we had our first ultrasound, the doctor said, your due date is the 7th of March, 1998, a year to the day, uh, which is pretty miraculous. Now, she did come a little bit early, but I still, I'm just amazed at, at that, that full-term date would have been a, a year to the day uh, that we were prayed for, and, and certainly uh, that was a great miracle for us. The next story, as I was looking for photos of this next story, uh, this, actually this photo is uh, Dick and Deanne, we actually brought them to Australia to minister, and uh, they were at, this was Lakeisha's dedication, and, uh, and uh, Bill and Joan Beard were our senior pastors, but Dick and Deanne were there uh, as, uh, as part of that, which was, which was pretty cool. If we have the next photo, uh, I, I was looking for photos, and I came across a young photo of Murray Townsend. Uh, this, is, this, is, this is Murray after Jenny Craig, and we see Murray now. Anyway, um, so this was Murray. But, so Murray and I went to Papua New Guinea in 2000. And 2000. 2000, Murray said, hey, why don't you come to Papua New Guinea? Actually, Murray's just said to Caleb, 
hey, Caleb, you should come to Papua New Guinea with me. You should probably leave the room while I tell this story, okay? <laughs> so we were driving, we were driving from uh, Ley up to the Highlands and we're in the pastor's car, John Garou. He was the pastor of, of, uh, of the Ley Church. He was driving us, we were driving to Mount Hagen, which is like about 15 hours on the road. And we got to Kanaitu and, and we picked up uh, the, the pastor's cousin, and the pastor's cousin was driving. So there was Murray, uh, a guy called Nathan, and myself in the back seat, and, and the two, uh, two, two uh, indigenous PNG guys in the front. And I, I, they'd already told me that if you're driving in PNG and you hit somebody, you hit a car or you hit somebody, you just keep driving. You drive straight to the police station because the, the, the idea up in the Highlands is it's an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. So if you hurt somebody in, a, in another car, they will hurt someone in your car. And so uh, we were driving up and it, it started to rain lightly and uh, we were probably going too fast and we've hit some diesel on the road and we've slid and smashed into another car. It was a PMV, public motor vehicle, which was basically just a, a, a big tray top truck carrying about 30 people. The, it was a pretty big crash and the, the, the driver of the other vehicle got out, forced open the door of our driver, of our car, dragged the pastor's cousin out and started to beat him up. Now, I'm not talking about a pub brawl. I'm talking about mercilessly beating him. Now, we're in the middle of nowhere. If you know PNG between Kanaitu and Garoka, there's absolutely nothing. And so we were literally no villages around or anything. Within three minutes of the car crash, there would have been about 120 PNG indigenous all around the car. 20 of them had machetes. I looked across at Murray. Murray looked scared. Now, when Murray looks worried, you kind of know something's going down. So we're on the other side of the car, and we were praying, man. I was praying because I'm thinking we're going to, like, you could just get a sense that, I mean, the, on the one side of the car, the, the guy's getting beaten up. Uh, there's, there's all these, these, these P&G guys around. Some of them have got machetes. And you just, like, I'm seeing flashes of the Sydney Morning headline, you know, uh, white missionaries slain in PNG Highlands car crash and all this kind of ugly stuff. So I'm on the other side of the, road, other side of the car praying. And, and literally out of nowhere, this big, tall, white, we found out later, was an American anthropologist, just comes walking through the crowd. And it's almost like, he's just like Jesus. He just walks in, calms everybody down, organises the police to be called, and, and ultimately our car was dragged off the road and everything calmed down. But it was just an amazing just, just response. Uh, you know, God, we're praying, God, you've got to do something. All of a sudden, this, this white guy's there and... Just he just like anyway. Here's some photos of the car. Uh, like it was a pretty it was a pretty bad crash, uh, and uh, yeah, it was it was a bad accident. Um, anyway, but just for me, in that moment of great need to just see God's God's prayer, God, God uh, God's answer to prayer was just it saved my life. Uh, really, was just quite a, uh, quite amazing. Another story, when I was down in Nara, uh, actually my first word of knowledge that I ever had. So I'd been in the church uh, a couple of months and uh, God woke me up in the middle of the night and said, there's somebody in the church trying to have a baby. And I went, okay. Um, and so I got up in church and like I'm the man of the hour, the new pastor. And so I got up and I said, hey, somebody in the church here is, is trying to have a baby and if you come out the front, God's going to give you a baby. And nobody moved. And I went, are you sure you don't want a baby? Come on, there's, surely someone's, got, there's a baby here. Come on, look, I've got a baby for you. Anyway, uh, 
right at the end, where, and I'm, I'm up the front with my eyes closed looking really spiritual, but arguing with God saying, I'm never doing this again, God. I mean, you woke me up in the middle of the night. You told me I'm never doing it again. Anyway, this lady comes forward. So I prayed for her, and that week she conceived. And the, so the story goes, about six months later, we were in a prayer meeting, and I, I don't do crying, right? Um, and well, I didn't used to. But anyway, I didn't in those days. And in the middle of the prayer meeting, uh, she was six months pregnant, I just start to cry. And I'm, I'm crying for her. And I said to my associate pastor, I said, go and ring this lady. I'm not, I don't want to name anybody because it's being recorded. Uh, go and ring the lady, find out what's going on. And she, she said, oh, Lily went and came back and she said, oh, she's having the same miscarriage pain that she's had before. And I said, right, let's all pray. And so we prayed and we really interceded for her and it's interceded for the baby. If we go to the next photos. This, is, this was her at her dedication and this was photos I pulled off Facebook yesterday. She's now 18 years old. How awesome is that? Now that's a good miracle. Okay, a few more stories then I've gone on and preach. We had a situation in Nowra, uh, if we go to the next photo, we had a situation in Nowra in 2004 where uh, lots of people were being killed on the road. So there'd been a, a six-month period, over a six-month period, 34 people, 36 people had been killed on the road and, and the average was one every six days on the Princess Highway. It's about a two-hour drive from Berry down to Milton Ulladulla. It's about two hours. It's the, the, the borders of, of Nowra or the Shoalhaven. And, and during that time, 36 people, 36, 34, uh, I think it was 36, 36 people had died. It was one every six days and the record number between deaths was 11 days. And so you can see, uh, you can see that the, on this, this was on the, the page three of, of the South Coast Register, days since the last fatality, the toll since December 03, and, and, and they're counting it up. Uh, one dead a week on the Princess Highway, who'll be next? Like, great, great reporting, great journalism. Anyway, and so then uh, another day, another life, woman dies in a highway accident at South Nowra. And so I'm praying one day, and God says to me, straight off, just really, like, definitively, it's a demon. So I go, oh, what do I do with that? Well, because I don't have much filter, I went to the public and said, uh, went to the media and said, hey, it's a demon, and we can change this, right? And so there's, I went to the media, praying for solutions, and, you know, I, I posed in my leathers, my motorcycle leathers, and, the, you know, they were saying, you know, this pastor rides the highway, and he's saying it's a demon, and he's called a citywide prayer meeting. Well, the citywide prayer meeting, only my church came, but the mayor and the federal member came. If we go to the next photo. So that's the mayor of our town, and that's our federal member. Um, all changed now. So we just prayed, right? And so literally there was 40 people there. Nothing miraculous happened. There was, no, there was no gold dust, feathers falling from the sky. No one got slain in the spirit. We just, we just prayed, and we went home. And it was 183 days before the next death. So the record had been 11. Six days on average, people are being killed. This lady, on, if we go back, the lady in the middle there, that was on the Saturday before our prayer meeting. Because we actually, we met her daughter. Her daughter contacted us and, and talked, came down and actually talked the testimony uh, about that and, and the impact that that had. And, and so, so it had been one every six days, record number 11. We just prayed, believed God, 183 days before the next death. And over the course of the next few years, there was like three people killed in like years 
Like it was just so miraculous uh, just to see God, God move in that way. There's another story, uh, if we go to the next photo. Um, oh, then this, yeah, I went out to the media then and said, hey, look, it was a demon. Um, <laughs> I got lots of hate mail about that, actually, because they're going, yeah, but what about our police and what about the RTA, RTA or RMS is now called? I'm like, yeah, it was still a demon. Anyway, <laughs> go to the next photo. This was our, this was our building in Nowra, and there was a covenant on the land that didn't allow us to build. And so we were planning on extending. So this is, this is our, uh, our, our old building is here and we were just going to extend it about 25 metres out because we're running out of room. And because of the covenant, they were putting a road through and uh, so they said you can't build anywhere. And so we spent 18 months getting, getting it through, you know, trying to get it through council and all that kind of deal. And, but praying, God, come on, we need some miracles here. Anyway, one day out of the blue, we, on the day that it got approved actually, the mayor stood up in council and said, it's not fair that we restrict this church's property any longer. We need to define what part of the property we need and release the rest of it. And so they did that, and then that actually changed our whole building plan, and we were allowed to build all of that other building, which completely changed our church, completely changed the capacity of the church, the miracles of the church, and all that kind of deal. Just a breakthrough in prayer. Come on, God, we're believing for you. And it wasn't even we didn't lobby, we didn't ask. It was out of the blue. The mayor gets up and goes, we're going to fix it for this church. Now, that's got to be a miracle. I've already played Laura's healing video, so we won't play that again, uh, but I had that down. Even the other day in, in Caloundra, when I was praying about preaching in the Caloundra church at night, and I'm just there, and I'm just before God, and God drops city hope into my spirit and and just just the name it, it was just because when I come here I said hey I don't like city I don't like city net I don't like the city net name but I'm not just going to change it I'm not just going to try and come up with something clever and you know the Shiloh worship center or something like that it was just I, I want to find the heart of God and God didn't speak to me for nine months well seven months and then it's like just bang God speaks it's like wow God even the other day, or the last, the last, one of the, the first things actually, one of the first things that I flagged as being a problem for this church is your sewerage system or our sewerage system. Because our sewerage system constantly overflows. It smells all, all the time out the back. It's a, it's, a, it's a health hazard. And so we've been looking and getting quotes for about 40 grand to put in a bioseptic system. We analysed whether we could uh, plug into the pipe, which is on the other side of Tees Road, but because it's on the other side of the road, it could be just as expensive. And so we've looked at all the options and I've talked to the leadership and, and, and in the end it's kind of like, guys, we've got to do something because, you know, this is, a, this is bad. And so I'm praying as well. I'm saying, God, I just need someone to give me $40,000. That would be really handy right now. And then out of the blue, Matt says to me after a leadership meeting two weeks ago, I've got an idea. He goes, if we just do this and do that and do some tolls and do that and do a, do a rain dance, uh, we, I, I think we can fix it. And so then David and Floor come in, uh, give it their time, bring their bobcat in, do all that kind of thing. Matt worked really hard all day. What did it cost us? Not much, nothing really at this stage. I think we bought some PVC pipe and that was about it. Uh, could have cost us 40 grand. It's probably cost us 200 bucks right now. Miracle, miracle God. God, I'm believing God for a miracle. Now I, I, was, I, was, I, was wanting, I was wanting the 40 grand. God was going, I can do it for 200. <laughs> so there, there's, there's miracles. And reality is I could, I could keep going. I could tell the next, for the next 21 minutes 
20 minutes now. Uh, the next 20 minutes, I could just tell story after story of where I've seen God move in Melanie's in my life, Melanie's in my ministry, uh, church. Uh, and these aren't stories that I'm reading about in, in Charisma magazine or stories that I'm reading about over there. These are stories that have happened to me. And, and reality is faith makes a difference. We talk about daring faith. Would you dare to believe God for a miracle? And that there's been, there's been, certainly there's miracles that we've asked for that we haven't seen breakthroughs yet. Melanie's health would be one of them. Uh, and so we, we've certainly, I've prayed, I've prayed many prayers that haven't been answered, but I tell you what, I've prayed many prayers that have been answered. And I don't want to stop praying because of the prayers I don't get answered. I don't want that to change my prayer life because then I'm not going to get any prayers answered if I don't pray. And so I want to, I want to preach just for, just for 20 minutes. I want to preach on what changes... When you have faith. But first I want to define what faith is. In Mark 11 and verse 22, it says, have faith in God. And so what is the definition of faith? And I, I've, I've had a working definition of faith for many years. And, and my working definition of faith is that it's focus and motion. Focus and motion. And I see this when Peter got out of the boat. He had to be focused on Jesus, but then he had to get out of the boat. Now, if you have one without the other, you can have all the focus in the world and, and we can be dancing around the cross saying, thank you, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. But if we don't actually have some motion to our faith, then all we've got is a great worship service, right? But if we have the other way around, that we're jumping out of the boat, but we have no focus, then all we've done is gone for a swim. So we have to have focus and motion. And, and one, of the great, one of the great examples of this is out of the movie Raiders of the Lost Ark. So... Here are some quick things. What changes in your life when you have faith? The first thing is your confession. Matthew 11 verse 23 says, For surely I say unto you, whoever says to the mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. So it's a prayer of command. And even do you notice that it's not here where whoever says to God about the mountain, it's whoever says to the mountain. And so what changes when we have great faith, when we have daring faith, what changes is our confession. In Romans 4 and verse 17, it says, it talks about uh, Abraham and it's talking about how he called those things that do not exist as though they did. That's a power. I love that verse. He calls those things which do not exist as though they did. There's been times in my life when I've been believing God for miracles and I've called those things that don't exist as though they do. I remember when Melanie was, was, we were trying to fall pregnant and uh, this was in the early days and anyone who's tried to fall pregnant knows that every month it's, there's a lot of crying and a lot of emotion and all that kind of stuff going on. And, and so did, this didn't help by the fact that I would start to say, how's my pregnant wife? And she'd come home from work, I'd go, how's my pregnant wife? And I was calling those things that aren't as though they were. And over the course of my life, there's been different times when I've had a faith pledge that I've read out every day and I, I, I had one when I uh, actually wrote it in Papua New Guinea in 2000 when I was just about to go to Nara and I, I spoke faith over my church and I talked about the size of the church, the influence of the church, uh, the souls being saved in the church. I wasn't even the senior pastor yet but I was calling those things that aren't as though they were and I would speak, uh, I would speak prophetically over my daughters and uh, I look at my daughters now at, at 14, 15 and 20 and, and I look at that and I go, they are now the manifestation of the things that I spoke in a being, calling those things that aren't as though they were. And I'll give you a little hint. I have, I have uh, all my passwords, a lot of my passwords are prophetic words. When I log on to Westpac Bank Account for City Net Church or for City Hope Church, I, I put a number in 
It, it's, it's, it's CN, because it is sitting next, we used to be sitting at CN, and there's a number that I put in. And it's the number that I'm believing for in this church. So every time I sign on a Westpac, I'm calling those things that aren't as though they were. I do the same for my Facebook logins and all that kind of deal. They're all prophetic words. But I love, I love having this daily pledge. In fact, as I was prepping my sermon the other day, I was inspiring myself going, man, I've got, I've got to get back to having a daily pledge where I'm calling those things that aren't as though they were. The second thing that, that, that changes when you have faith is what you say no to. Hebrews 11 and verse 20, 24 says, By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. To some extent, we are defined by what we refuse to bow down to. Mordecai, we preached on Mordecai a few weeks ago. Uh, Mordecai in Esther 3 and verses 1 to 4, he, he refused to bow down to Haman. And that defined him. But in defining him, it lifted him to a new level in the realm of faith and what God could do through him. The third area of, of things that change when you have faith is the signs you leave behind you. Mark 16 and verse 17 and 18 says, And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take out up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. These signs will follow them that believe. So you should be able to look back over the course of your life and go, well, that, that shows that I believe, that shows that I believe, that shows. And there should be signs that follow what you believe. Melanie and I, from the, from the moment we were married, uh, even, well, I did it even before we were married, have always tithed. So when I get up and I talk about tithing in this church, I have, I have signs that follow what I believe. I'm, this is not just something that's academic, something that I go, oh, this sounds like a good idea. There's actually signs that I believe. I believe in healing and there's been healings all the way through my life. And I was even thinking, because I, I ran out of time for the stories, but I mean, one time I ripped my Achilles heel, uh, Achilles tendon so bad that I had to have my leg in plaster. And I was at church, I was playing tennis actually at the time, and I was in church and Tim Hall was uh, praying for people and he calls me out the front, prays for me. And then in church, we cut the plaster off and I was fine. Like miracles. I remember another time, Laura, Laura ran out of her bedroom door, I ran out of, ran out of her bedroom, ran out of her bedroom, broke her toe. So bad that the doctor said that the, the growth platelet at, the, at where the toe reaches the foot is so damaged that her toe mightn't might grow anymore. Laura, being a bit of a drama queen, found the wheelchair that we had in church and actually at church couldn't walk and so would, would wheel around in church because of the, the drama of this broken toe. But we had a guy called John Mellor at church and he was praying for people and he came out the front and prayed for, or Laura came out the front, prayed for him, uh, prayed for her, just got miracles. Packed up the wheelchair and she was happy. I mean, signs follow those that believe. So here's the big question I've got for you. If we go to the next screen. Big question. What does your life show you about your faith. Because if we say, if we say, hey, we believe, we believe in the power of, of, of miracles or power of healing, but you never pray for people to get healed or you never pray for yourself, then really do you believe? So here's a personal question. What does your life show you about your faith? What else changes when we have faith? The willingness and boldness to take on the giants and the hurdles in your life. I love the story of Joshua and Caleb. Both, both these men took on, even in their older age, took on, on the giants in their life. In Caleb, about Caleb in Numbers 24, 14 and verse 24. But my servant Caleb, because he had a different spirit and had followed me fully, 
I will bring into the land which he entered and his descendants shall take possession of it. He had a different spirit. Caleb was a man with a different spirit. Man, I want to be different spirited. I want God to be able to say, man, that, that church, that City Hope Church, there's a different spirit in that church. There's a, there's a church, there's, a, there's a, a tenacity, there's an expectancy of faith that they would dare to believe that even though they've prayed over and over and over and over, maybe they've prayed 70 times seven, they would pray again and believe God for a miracle. That there's, that there's tenacity in our faith. Like little old me jumps on a plane and goes down, a, down to, to Parliament House. You know why? Because I actually believe I can affect the government. I can affect the, the, the opposition. And, and like who am I to expect to, to think that? Well, me and Jesus, we're a majority. And I want to go down there and I want to, I want to do what I can to infiltrate the government and then, and then help them do better. Right? There's got to be some tenacity. There's got to be some, some, some spiritual gumption in our lives, some, some mongrel, if I can use that term, a little bit of mongrel in our faith. Amen. A couple more and we're finishing up. We're about to land. Number five, what changes when you have faith? Your willingness to do whatever it takes to touch God. Your willingness to do whatever it takes to touch God. This could be like a fast. It could be, it could be a conference. It could be... Uh, one time I was, I was so desperate for God, like I was just desperate for God. And so I, I decided I'd fast two meals a day and I'd read the Bible. I want to try and read the Bible through in 40 days. So a couple of hours a day, I'm in, I'm in the Word of God. Just come on, God, I need a miracle. I need a miracle. And, and it was in that time, because I, I, was, I, was, I could sense that there was a job change coming up. I was in Brisbane at the time. But it was in that time when it was like 40 days. In the end, the Bible took me 47, so I didn't quite reach it. But, but it was that, in that, that 47 days of fasting and, and, and seeking the Word of God, that's when I, I, the opportunity came up for us to go to Nara. Like breakthrough, there's just breakthrough after breakthrough. But it's whatever you do to touch God. Number, I'm going to go to seven. Number seven, skip six. If you put three in the together, it's devil's number anyway. So number six, seven, is your expectancy. And I want to, I'll finish with this one. Your expectancy. What changes when you have faith? Your expectancy. The woman with the issue of blood, Mark 5 and verse 27 says, When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. John, can I borrow you for a minute? I need you to be Jesus for a minute. This is a prayer shawl. This is a Jewish prayer shawl. And I was over at Nairi's mum's place the other day having dinner with Nairi and Sanawaka. And it's Nairi's mum's birthday today, so happy birthday, mum. So this is a prayer shawl. It was, hanging, it was hanging on her rocking chair, which is amazing because why do 58-year-olds have a rocking chair? But anyway, let's leave that alone. And this is a, this is a rabbinic prayer shawl. And so what they would do, pretending you're Jesus. Oh, there's the hug, see? Aww. Okay. So it would hang down like that, right? And, and these, it's not a fashion show. And <laughs> these, these things here are called the zitzit, right? And these, this area of the prayer shawl is called the wings. Now, when Laura come up here quickly. Laura's got a long dress on, which was a lot like the 
Old te- the New Testament clothing that you know the, the things that look like dressing gowns. So, so we think in our in our Western brains, this is what we think that the woman with the issue of blood came crawling through the gra- cl- crowd, 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 and grabbed the hem of Christ's garment. That's what we think. Wrong. You can sit down. Oh, you want a photo? Okay, come back, Laura. Posing for a photo. Everything's for social media. Okay. All right. So, but that's what we think. So the hem of his garment, this doesn't have a hem. Anyway, you can sit down. But what actually happened was the woman with the issue of blood came crawling through the crowd, desperately sick, and grabbed hold of the tzitzit, the hem of his garment. Now, why is that significant? Because in Malachi, there's a messianic prophetic verse that says that the Messiah will come with healing in his wings. Right? So what, what stopped Jesus? Like Jesus goes, what? Like I mean, Jesus is walking along, right? So pretend you're walking along and then all of a sudden just something like shocks you. See, like that, right? That facial expression... That's exactly what happened. Yeah, because Jesus was like, what now? Because, and, and then everybody goes, everybody, like he goes, somebody touched me and the disciples thought he'd had sunstroke because he was a ringer. And, uh, and so the disciples said, there's lots of people because the Bible says there was like a thronging of the crowd. Like, so there was lots of people thronging him. He wasn't pushing back though because he's the Messiah and he loves everyone. <laughs> but everyone was thronging because they wanted to. And so lots of people were touching Jesus. Like lots were touching and they were going, oh, it's an Ed Sheeran beard and all that kind of stuff. And, but the woman with the issue of blood comes through and grabs hold of the healing in his wings. He touched my wings. So Jesus is shocked because all of a sudden he realises somebody in the crowd knows that he's the Messiah. So there was an expectancy. And this is the thing, with, you, with faith, you've got that expectancy. That you come to church and you expect God to move. From the very moment the worship team starts, there's an expectancy, God, you've got to move here. That it's like in the Spirit, we're crawling through the crowd and we're saying, you know what, God, I want to grab hold of the zitzit. I want to grab hold of the, the healing that you've got in your wings. I want to make a demand on the anointing that you have today. Because there's an anointing every time we gather together, according to the Word of God, there's an anointing in the place where two or three are gathered together, the Bible says, I am in the midst. God is here this morning, but it's whether you grab hold of Him or whether you're just thronging Him. And, and the problem is, there's too many people and too many Christians, and dare I say it, too many churches that are happy just to throng Jesus, but not grab hold of the healing in His wings and say, you know what? Today I'm going to make a demand on the anointing of the Holy Ghost. I'm acknowledging, I see you as the Messiah. I see that you've got power and I'm going to grab hold of it. I'm going to do whatever it takes. And you know what? If that woman had been caught, she would have been hauled out and stoned. She took an incredible risk. And the Bible says, when she'd heard about Jesus. And again, we just think, well, she'd heard that Jesus was passing by. No, no. Someone had told her about the Messiah. Someone had told her about the prophetic word. He's got healing in his wings. You've got to grab hold of the hem of his garment. You've got to grab hold of, of the zitzit and make a demand on the anointing. Like what an amazing thing that lots of people, I would even imagine that in the thronging around, there were even people touching 
The seats seats. Like this is, wasn't, it wasn't an electric light, like electric lead kind of flapping around that if you touched it. <laughs> the woman had to make a demand on the anointing. We can come to church and it can be just karaoke. We put the words up on the screen. I mean, you can't have a turn, but, but we can just sing karaoke. We can either do it as karaoke or we can worship Jesus and touch the Almighty Saviour. We can either come around the Word and go, well, this is just the Word of God. You know, it's just some guy preaching an inspirational message. It's kind of like, you know, Stephen Covey or somebody, you know, inspirational. Or you can go, you know what? The Word of God's just been opened. I'm going to make a demand on the Word. Thank you, Jono. Appreciate that. So what changes when you have faith? Your expectancy. Expect God to move in everything you do. Expect God to move. Even if it's as dumb as a sewage problem or as serious as a demon on a road problem, expect God to move. Now I can tell you, I could tell you stories. I could probably tell you 20 stories of where I've prayed and God hasn't moved. But I'll never have an experiential theology. I'm never going to change my theology on faith because I prayed and something didn't happen. Because rather than be like that, I'd rather trust God and say, you know what, God, you've got this. Because you know the bigger picture. So we're going to finish off this morning. We're going to sing what a beautiful name it is. And as we do that, if you have a need in your life right now, I've, I've keyed up the pastoral team the leadership team, we are willing and ready to lay hands on you to believe God for a miracle for you. The question is, do we want, do, do, are we going to believe again? And maybe you've been, you're, you're one of these people that have believed over and over and over and over. And you know what? Go again, I say. I mean, you got 18 months. Melly and I were, were believing for a child. 18 months. Praying, praying. Special cuddle, special cuddle. Praying, praying. Nothing happened. But then we respond, we respond to a word and, and God just does it. Just bang that right then and there. And I don't, I don't know, I can't explain. I don't, I'm not here to explain God or His timing, but I'm here to explain faith. Daring faith. Let's stand. If you want some prayer this morning, we need some oil. Can we someone get me some oil? Wonderful, John. If you need healing, if you need healing, let me know. We'll anoint you with oil. I wish just to anoint everyone with oil. All right. So we're going to anoint you with oil. We're going to believe God for a miracle. Hope you enjoyed that message. Please tune in next week. And from everyone at City Herb Church, have an awesome day.